It's Philosophy Talk. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Let's see. There's romantic love. Family love. Divine love. Love of country. Love of friends. What do you get when you fall in love? Guy with him to burst your bubble. There is a transformative element to all of these forms of love. Our guest is Christopher Phillips, author of Socrates in Love. Every type of love is a form of inquiry. I don't think of it so much in terms of a unifying essence as I do they have unifying ends. Can love itself be the ultimate object for you? It depends on what you want out of it. The Varieties of Love. Recorded before a live audience at Powell City of Books in Portland, Oregon. Hi, I love you. I need to reproduce. <laughs> Should I get flowers? What? Coming up on Philosophy Talk after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Today, Philosophy Talk is on the road. We're recording the program in front of a live audience at Powell's City of Books in Portland, Oregon. This is our second trip to Powell's. We're just delighted to be here with you all. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. You know, wherever we go, wherever we tape the program, our thinking originates back at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Our topic today is the varieties of love. Self-love, romantic love, love of humanity, love of family, love of friends, and even divine love. We'll begin by asking what, if anything, the different forms of love have in common. Do they really share a unifying essence? Or do we just use love as a word for a bunch of different stuff with no deep unity? Next, we'll ask what distinguishes the different forms of love. We'll examine their different roles in our lives and the different demands they place on us. We owe our erotic partners things we do not owe our friends. We owe our friends things we do not owe humanity at large. How do we account for those differences? Finally, we'll ask what happens when love's demands compete. Would you betray a friend to save your lover? Would you betray your lover to save your country? Would you betray your country to save humanity? Or can we somehow have it all and enjoy the many varieties of love without any conflict? So, John, when most people think of love, I think they think first of romantic love. And then maybe after that, they think of love of family. You know, that's what the Greeks called storga. And then love of friends, what the Greeks called philia. Why, why do you think they think of romantic love first? Well, I think they think of romantic love first because that's, that's real love. These are concrete forms of love that we can feel viscerally from the inside. Love of humanity, love of country, eh, that's pretty abstract. I'm not sure it's really love at all. Well, why do you say love of country or love of humanity is abstract? Well, what do you love when you love your country? When you love your country, you don't love each one in your country. You don't love all of your fellow citizens. You probably wouldn't even like them if you knew them, which you don't. <laughs> well, okay. I, I'll grant you that love of country doesn't reduce to love of each particular fellow citizen, but you know, that doesn't mean that love of country or say love of humanity doesn't have a powerful grip on us. I mean, think of all the people who sacrifice so much for love of country. They even lay down their lives for love of country or love of humanity or love of God for that matter. Well, there's no doubt that so-called love for these abstractions can have great power in the lives of some people. 
for some, it feels similar to the more personal kinds of love, and that's why they call it love. But I think there's something more basic, more real about love when it's focused on particular people, close friends, children, or a romantic partner. I don't think I agree. I don't think that love, you know, like erotic love, is really the paradigm of love. I mean, after all, it's aimed at one person at a time, and it's important. Why it's important? Because we need to reproduce. But think of love or friends or country or, or, or humanity. What do those do for us? They unite us into big, consequential groups. And I don't think we'd be much of anywhere as a species if we didn't have the capacities for these kinds of love. Well, big, consequential, warring groups. I'm not sure we are much of anywhere as a species. And besides that, I don't want to be around when you tell your wife that love of country is more important than love of her. <laughs> I'm not denying, Claire, I'm not denying that erotic or romantic love plays a major role in our lives. And, and I don't think any form of love could supplant it. But it really is just one kind of love among others. And they all have their place in a well-lived life. Well, you may be right about that, Ken. A couple of shows ago, you were right about something. Uh, but since, <laughs> since most people probably think first and foremost about romantic love, why don't we pretend that we can start there, too? Okay, and to help us do that, a roving philosophical reporter, Zoe Corneli, takes a look at the dynamics of romantic love with someone who spends a lot of time thinking about it. She files this report. Nuances of character are made of many, many different elements, not all of which show up in every scene on every page. The members of Portland's Rose City Romance Writers Group are hearing a presentation on how to add layering and depth to their writing. How does your character feel about the way they look? Besides practical advice, the group provides an outlet for members to share their successes. All right, other kudos. I got my cover. The group's president is Maggie Lynch, herself an aspiring romance novelist. People tend to think of it as porn, or porn for women, um, which it certainly is not. When I think of romance novels, the image that comes to mind is something you'd find near the checkout aisle of your local supermarket, a metallic pink cover with a picture of Fabio clutching a half-dressed woman. Lynch says there's a lot more to the genre than that stereotype would suggest. Love is... is the center of our lives, I think, you know, whether it's love for your children or your family or your spouse or significant other. And I love relationships. I think that it's, it's what makes our lives happy or sad, rich or, or not. And um, the romance novel is a great way to explore all of those things. Lynch started writing romance novels after her 50th birthday. You know, I think everyone has these times in their life when they kind of reevaluate. Maybe it was my midlife crisis, but... <laughs> She'd been working for 30 years in the fairly unromantic academic field of distance learning and decided to finally take up a lifelong dream. When I write a romance novel, it's a very creative side of me. It's very emotional. Um, I get to decide who lives and dies, but most of all, I get to talk about love, which makes everyone happy. Like most so-called genre fiction, Lynch says romance novels follow set patterns. Certainly there must be a romance between two people. Um, and by the end of the book, there's a happy ever after ending, which means that the two people have made some kind of commitment to each other. Now, that may seem like a narrow view of love, but Lynch says it's one that readers are powerfully drawn to. The romance market, in terms of the genre market, has 55% of the buying public. So I think a lot of people still want to see that 
man and woman get together, live happily ever after. And although we may not be monogamous for 50 years in our regular life, um, I think a lot of us have the fantasy that that still exists, um, that you can find your one soulmate and um, that that person will be it for you. The relationships in Maggie Lynch's own life haven't exactly followed the standard plotline. She spent years raising foster children, she's divorced, remarried, and a stepmother. Those elements show up in her writing. In addition to the standard, steamy, sexy stuff, her unpublished novel, Expendable, develops a non-romantic relationship between an adult and a child. And this is a, a retired Marine Corps special ops guy um, who has found a, a woman murdered near his cabin and running from her was a traumatized young boy. And this is a little bit about the relationship that he's trying to form with this young boy. You wanna pour your own milk today? He'd ask the kid the same thing every day this week and so far no go. But he figured repetition was a good thing, something the kid could count on. To his surprise, the boy moved to the fridge and got the milk out. Then he slowly poured it into the glass, not spilling a single drop. The boy took his glass of milk and Reed's coffee cup and place them on the table. Reed smiled. There was hope after all. Lynch has published several short stories. She writes novels under the names Maggie Jameson and Maggie Bond. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Zoe Corneli. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.